This episode of Rebel Force Radio was made possible in part by Little Debbie Snack Cakes, America's number one snack cake brand. New Cosmic Cupcakes, landing in stores now. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com for the newest and hottest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more. Visit DorksideToys.com. You must face the gravest of journeys to Morbon, the ancient homeworld of the Sith. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, this is it. This is like Christmas morning. The day is March 7th, 2014. You know what that means. The Clone Wars hits Netflix. That's right. Every episode of every season, including season six, all 13 never before seen episodes, at least in the United States and Canada, never before seen. The Germans have been laughing at us for weeks. <laughs> But uh, we finally get our time, and we're going to be talking about it here on Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force. And as I said, this week's episode four, March 7th, 2014, a big day, a big week, a big weekend ahead of us here in Star Wars Phantom Land. And with me to talk all about it, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, it is the big day. The Clone Wars Lost Mission has debuted today on Netflix. So what are you doing listening to us? You should be watching Clone Wars. But no, we hope we whet your appetite for the episodes we're going to see. Or maybe you've already seen them and just want to keep that vibe running. This is the perfect show for you this week here on Rebel Force Radio. We got a lot of great Clone Wars moments coming up and uh, something just to either tide you over, as I said, or keep the ball rolling if you've already watched The Lost Missions. Now, they uh, they were made available on Netflix at about 2 o'clock in the morning central time here in the States. And so I have not yet watched them. I plan on having a marathon this weekend and then really looking forward to getting together with you, Jason, Kyle Newman, and our great friend Paul Bateman to discuss the first arc, the Order 66 arc, and you all will be able to hear that. Clone Wars Declassified Roundtable coming to you on Monday next week. So look for it in the Rebel Force Radio feed on March 10th. It'll be the return of Clone Wars Declassified, talking lost missions, talking season six. We're doing full arcs all at once, Jason. We are yes. not going to pick apart the minutia of each and every individual episode. We're going to be discussing them as complete arcs. And so for the next four weeks, as we march through March, 
you will be getting fresh Clone Wars to Classified episodes where you'll be able to hear our analysis, our breakdown, our discussion about Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 6. I'm looking so forward to getting everyone around the round table and uh, seeing if Newt Gunray actually makes it into an episode. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he will. Uh, but uh, no, it's our own version of March Madness. This is M- Rebel Force Radio. March Madness, as we uh, take a look at all these uh, the, these arcs. Now, there are four arcs. We know we've got the Order 66 arc. We have the Rush Clovis arc, which is uh, three episodes. The Mace Windu and Jar Jar Binks arc, which, you know, well, we love it when Mace and Jar Jar get together. Uh, that's two episodes. And then finally, the Yoda arc, four episodes. So, uh, boy, oh, boy, it's just uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I, I want to skip around, but I... Not going to. We're going to go in order uh, in terms of these uh, of these arcs and uh, binge watching. I guess uh, yeah, we're going to binge watch, but by arc. Yeah, yeah, by arc. And of course, we're not going to binge roundtable. We're going to do them once no. a week for the right. next four weeks. So a lot of people have been asking me about what that release schedule is going to look like and and everything. And I think it really was uh, something that we had to determine once we realized how. The bonus content was going to be released, and now we know, and that's how we're going to be throwing it at you. So uh, definitely check the Rebel Force Radio feed. You don't have to go anywhere and subscribe anywhere else. It'll all be right here at home at Rebel Force Radio. So really looking forward to getting the gang back together again. And I mean, man, it's been over a year. It's been a year since Ahsoka walked down those steps. Amazing. Hard to believe. Hard to believe, but true. In some ways, it feels a lot longer than that. It, it really does. So much has happened since then, and uh, so many rumors and so much uh, excitement. Uh, but uh, there's always that little. There was always that little pang of emptiness as we waited for the announcement for what was going to happen. And uh, now we know, and I think it's. A, I think it's great. So far, so far, so good. And if you're looking for a snack. <laughs> For your uh, Clone Wars binge watching, uh, look no further than Little Debbie Snack Cakes, like Cosmic Cupcakes to be exact. Yeah, that's right, Jason. You were talking about pangs of emptiness. Well, if you are suffering from pangs of hunger, you want to check out Little Debbie Snack Cakes because they are the best. And each and every week, Little Debbie, because they love Star Wars and they love Rebel Force Radio, they want to give back to you guys the Rebel Force Radio listening audience, Star Wars fans one and all. And uh, we have Little Debbie Galactic Snack Packs that we're giving away each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio, courtesy of Little Debbie. It's a big-time social networking promotion. All you have to do is post something mentioning Cosmic Cupcakes or Little Debbie and Rebel Force Radio on Little Debbie's official Facebook page or just simply tweet and say something good about Little Debbie's. Just include... The uh, at Little Debbie and hashtag Rebel Force Radio to become eligible to win this great Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. It's all the things you love about Little Debbie, including the new Cosmic Cupcakes. Cosmic Cupcakes, the official snack cake of Rebel Force Radio. This week's winner of a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack, including those great Cosmic Cupcakes from Facebook, Matthew Blankenheim. Matthew posted, can't wait to eat some cosmic cupcakes while listening to Rebel Force Radio. I bet they're out of this world. Congratulations, Matthew. We'll be reaching out to you for your mailing address. And 
Within a matter of days, you'll be receiving a Little Debbie Galactic snack pack. And it's so good. It's so delicious. It's so wonderful. So each and every week, like I said, we're giving away Little Debbies. So all you have to do is simply post up, tweet, put something on Facebook, something great about Little Debbie Snack Cakes and Rebel Force Radio, and you are eligible to win. Congratulations, Matthew. And thank you, everyone, who tweeted something good or posted something good about Little Debbie. All right. So we have some amazing Clone Wars moments to share with you. And we're going to kick things off with an interview that Jimmy Mack did with uh, writer Christian Taylor. Now, Christian Taylor was responsible for some of our very favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, really when the ship started to get righted in terms of consistent writing on the show. Christian Taylor was behind a lot of that. So this took place at the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach, California. This was the premiere party for the Clone Wars Season 4. This takes us back to September 2011. Jimmy Mack with Clone Wars writer Christian Taylor. All right, we're on the red carpet, or I should say blue carpet, with Clone Wars writer Christian Taylor. How's it going, my friend? Great, great to meet you. Now, Christian, you really made your mark on Star Wars with your incredible script for the Mortis trilogy. It was amazing. I mean, it was um, it was really an incredible thing because when George was talking about it in the room, we were all like, "Oh, oh!" And like, how are we going to do this? And it was um, I was they were like we got to decide what scripts we were going to pick. And I think I was like, I'm going to pick those because those are going to those are challenging, and it was a really amazing thing to 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 write and a really uh, exciting. Nothing had been done like this before on Clone Wars, and I knew with the production because every year the production gets so much better and better that the I knew that they were going to be able to realize these incredible things that we had to do on the show on that episode. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a a huge responsibility that you had and challenge to actually sort of define certain nuances of the mysteries of the force yeah yeah and the good thing is that you know when george is we're in the room george is really talking about these things in depth so you're listening to all this stuff and you're saying oh that's a great thread i'll pick that up and i'll do that and then but as you're writing you're thinking is this is this right? Am I am I within the the, the gospel of, of everything? And it was really it was really an incredible experience because I remember I went to a screening of the episode and George was like, "That's a fantastic episode," and I was like, "Wow!" It was it was it was really and I I had no idea what it was going to come out like and Dave and his team just did an amazing job in all of that. Absolutely. When you were writing the script, did you have to go through several drafts? Was it being sent back saying, "No, no, no, don't do this." don't go near this, things of that nature. The thing that's fantastic about this show is that because we spend so much time with George and then because we have such a close dialogue with Dave as we're writing it, you can go and ask questions and you can say, hey, look, I wanted to try this. Is this right? And he'd be like, yeah, that's fantastic or no. And then when you, you hand it in a draft, and I, I spend a lot of time on my drafts, and so you try and iron out all the kinks and then you'd get another draft. You might get another draft to polish things up. But it was pretty straight through, actually. I was very lucky with it. Now, was Mortis the first script you wrote for Clone Wars? It was. And I, um, it was the first ones. And it's, I've written some, I've written like 12, 16 now. Because we're, we're, we're three years ahead of you guys. <laughs> like, we've already written season six. So, um, 
it was it was the first and probably I, I wrote the last ones I wrote, which I can't obviously talk about, but they're pretty uh, they're mortis esque. They were they were pretty challenging too. But um, and then I, I you know each season I'd be like you know I'm going to do a fun one and I just in this season I did Ahsoka Lux. Um, Death Watch episode, which has been, which is amazing, which Dave directed, and it's a, a standalone episode, and it's romantic, it's exciting, <laughs> it's all lots of really good things. So, when you say romantic, are we going to see the rekindling of the assumed romance between Satine and Obi Wan? Um, that actually it is alluded to, yes. yes, but not in my episode, in another episode, but. Um, this goes in a little deeper with uh, Lux and Ahsoka, their bond, which was a great thing for us to be able to explore and sort of in the context of Death Watch. So it's great. Yeah, the, the groundwork for that relationship was established last season. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heroes on both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they develop, you know, they're both maturing, so we got to have that, that sort of maturing in terms of, like, what, you know... Uh, a, not love affair, but a, a hinted at sort of romance. I've read uh, prior interviews with you where you say you you avoid looking at the expanded universe for any sort of character motivation or situations or setups or anything like that. But have you ever considered writing an expanded universe novel or comic? Well, it's funny because it's—I wouldn't say that I avoid it because that's—that's not. I would love to do, you know, more of the expanded universe stuff. It's just that I think the reason—the reason I've succeeded, I think, in the context of with George and on the Clone Wars—is because I—I I don't know it, all that stuff. I just go work purely from the movies and from Clone Wars the series. It's not that I—I I love those the, those expanded things from what I've seen, and I would love to do stuff like that. It's—it's it's, you know, it's all a matter of like getting asked and so you know Lucasfilm there's such a, a huge prolific and really talented artists and stories that are being told it's just that it's um, it's kind of good to have a focus vision in terms of Clone Wars because it's a very specific area and there are things that would work in Clone Wars and there are things that wouldn't work in Clone Wars so yes and I would, I'd love to do other stuff it's great working for Lucasfilm now of course you wrote for Lost and Six Feet Under yeah the experience of writing for those two shows, how does that kind of bleed into the Clone Wars? I think, I mean, both shows were very character-driven. You know, they're very... They stick to it under, obviously, completely character show and then lost or sort of stemmed from character show but then mixed with mythology. So there was a great precursor. The thing that was fantastic about Clone Wars for me in a, in a, a thing that I hadn't thought I would, I would gain this experience was that we ha you go up with George and you're working for 10 days and you have to come up with 22 stories. And these are not, you know, you've, you, these are not short little fun animated stories. These are incredibly dense storytelling in a 22-minute thing. And then they're also they're expanded to little movies in the arcs. And so that was really good for my technique of like, you got to be fast. you got to come up with stories with George fast. So... I think I had the preparation of character work and then mythology and then coming with and working with George is like putting that all together and making great little stories. So bringing your past experience into play and then combining it with working with George, yeah. how has that changed you as a writer? I, I, I think just as I said, it's like I'm faster. I'm now working on a show called Teen Wolf, 
uh, for MTV, and we're we're writing it. You know, it's mythology, it's character stuff, it's fun, all the things that George is really good at, I think, um, and the Clone Wars, I think, is good at. So, I I've noticed that I'm I'm a lot swifter and smarter in the writer's room than I used to be. <laughs> so would you say you're faster and more intense now? Yes, okay. I think so. All right, he's faster, he's more intense. more intense. Christian Taylor, writer for The Clone Wars. Can't wait to see what you're going to be coming up with in season four, five, and six. <laughs> wow, so that's great to know that you guys are working on season six it's now. It's amazing, it's amazing. And, and you know, I listened to your, um, your broadcast, yes. and it was amazing. It was so fantastic, because I was like... You know, you, you, you put these things, you write them, they go out there into the, you know, universe, as it was, and then to sit them and hear them analyzed in a, in a really smart way. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. That's actually a really good idea. But then things like, God, they really got it. And so it was great. And then Thank you. Sometimes we, we hit the nail on the head and sometimes we're way off, yeah. but it's just fun to break it all down and analyze it. Yes. And that's what we as Star Wars fans love doing. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Great guy, Christian Taylor. He was hanging out with us at the Clone Wars Season 4 premiere in Long Beach, California. You know what, Jason? That was the very first time anyone actually confirmed that there was a Clone Wars Season 6 in the works. That was the interview that uh, made the information known worldwide that, yes, work was being done on Season 6. And we're going to be celebrating the fruits of Christian Slaver and everyone else who worked on the Clone Wars over this upcoming weekend and the weeks to come, courtesy well, that, of Netflix. That certainly gives you a sense of the the, the long tail and how uh, far out these guys were working. Keep in mind, this was at the premiere party for season four. So season four had not even started to air, and Christian was already talking about writing season six. So... Uh, just uh, an incredible schedule and a lot that they had to juggle. And you'll notice as you listen to various uh, interviews with uh, the Clone Wars crew and cast, it was always a little uh, tough for them to remember what it aired. What what could they talk about? Because they yes. were their Definitely schedule. Every so time crazy. we talked to Dave Filoni, he was all like, "Oh, I can't remember what you guys have seen and what you haven't seen." <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I, I don't know about you, Jason, but I was banking on that a lot of times. I was like, maybe right. he'll slip just once. And right. To Dave's credit, he never did. And of course, uh, with some of our other favorite memories of uh, the Clone Wars is, is getting to talk to the cast. Uh, what an amazing group of people! So many times we commented that really there seemed to be a. Uh, a, a litmus test of of friendliness and openness uh, in order to be on the cast because everybody we met associated with the show was just uh, so wonderful and here's a this is uh, this has never been before uh, broadcasted so uh, this is a q and a session this is recorded live in Dallas back in 2011. We've got uh, Meredith Salinger, who played Barris Offie. We have Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka, of course, Tom Kane, uh, Yoda, and Stephen Stanton, Admiral Tarkin. Uh, once again, a Clone Wars Q&A from Dallas, Texas, in 2011. Shall we introduce ourselves? Yes, that's a good yes. Shall we start? Uh, hi, I'm Stephen Stanton, and uh, I play, one of the characters I play on Clone Wars is the evil Captain Tarkin, and of course the uh, semi-evil, maybe evil, uh, Masameda, who always has the Chancellor's ear. So Very uh, evil. Yes. From my standpoint. From her standpoint, in the Senate. <laughs> I'm Catherine Tabor, and I play mainly Padme Amidala. And Yay! Thank you. And I also play Numa in season one, and the Night Sister Karis, and some other cool ones I can't think of right now. <laughs> 
I am Ashley Eckstein. I do the voice of Ahsoka Tano. And, uh, thank you. And a, a few incidental characters, not, not as cool as um, some of the ones that Kat was just mentioning. I think like a turtle child. Um, <laughs> some other incidental characters. Uh, K2B4, I think, was the, the biggest oh. one. It was O.C. Sobek's droid. Um, anyway. Yeah, that's a cool one. <laughs> yeah, it actually stood for Kobe Bryant 24, K2B4. <laughs> I'm Meredith Salinger, and I play uh, Padawan Barris Offie. And hello. And I also played a naughty girl, Ioni Marcy, and I play Shea Manwe, who's Papanoida's daughter. Woo-hoo. And then some other people coming up in the next season that you don't know yet, it's a secret. Shh. <laughs> we could tell you, but then we'd have to kill you. <laughs> I'm Tom Kane. I'm uh, uh, yo. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the timing is everything. I forgot about that. Um, I'm Yoda and uh, um, um, uh, Admiral Yularen, of course, and uh, the opening narrator. The Empire at War as the planet Ryloth falls under attack. <laughs> That's what it And an occasional droid or something. We say Tom is the only one who is in every single episode. Yeah, I hadn't, the thought, narrator. I hadn't thought about that until a couple of you pointed out. I'm like, that's, that's true. Cool. That's yeah, the best gig of all. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, well, we've uh, we got a microphone set up here. If you, anybody want to ask some questions, uh, that'll sort of help us figure out what you want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Because we're clueless. Without a, without a script, we're not so good. <laughs> I'm enjoying the series very much. The question I had for you is to um, George Takai... I was talking about in the last one that when he did the voiceovers, they did them one at a time. Do you guys do yours as a group, or do you do yours as one at a time? Oh, my. (laughs) Uh, We're actually fortunate that we get to do it as a group. Um, Tom, on the other hand, gets to join us every now and then. But from the very beginning, they stressed group records, and which I'm very grateful they did because we have a lot of dialogue in our show, and I think the relationships are very important, and I don't think we could have established uh, those tight bonds and those tight relationships if we weren't in the same room acting together. That's much more relationship-oriented if you can look at the person and actually have a scene, like you're actually doing a real scene with someone, and it's not just, you're not just hearing them through headphones. You can actually look at them and fight with them. And... Well, and, and that's actually a really good example because when we had those scenes with Ahsoka and Barris, um, where they're, you know, literally facing death, and, uh, you know, they're deciding, hey, we're going to sacrifice ourselves it to save emotional. the rest. Th- that was a very emotional mm-hmm. scene, and I think had we read it separately, I don't think it would have come across the same. Yeah. I agree. No, it's, I, <laughs> I just don't physically live in L.A. anymore, so it's not possible for me to go there and record the, the thing. So in my case, though, it's, it, kinda, it, it really hasn't presented any problems because the characters I do don't interact that much with the other people in the scenes. I mean, Yoda basically tells people what to do or he's you know, dropping a witticism or mysticism on somebody. But there's, not, there's very little back-and-forth dialogue with Yoda. And the same is true of Admiral Yularen. He's an admiral. He's ordering people around. There's not a whole lot of emotional interplay with, with Yularen. He's the boss. And the great thing about uh, when Tom's not there is that sometimes Dave Filoni asks us to try our hand at doing bad Yoda impersonations <laughs> so that we can hear somebody has something to read against. So that gets pretty interesting sometimes. Well, they're always looking for backups, you know. <laughs> um, I have a dose of questions, too. Um, one... 
I wanted to actually ask, is there any other big Yoda episodes coming up? Or? Um, I believe this season uh, there's a, a couple that are, are more Yoda-heavy than, than we have seen recently, and I know that next season there's a fairly important story arc that involves Yoda. So, uh, And we're... Um, we're not even sure how, how far this thing's going. I mean, we, we were originally told there were 100 episodes. Well, we passed that, you know, a month ago in terms of recording. And uh, so, anyway, so I, th- I think you'll be enjoying this for several years to come. So. <laughs> My other one was just a bit of an opinion. Uh, if you could all pick one episode, what would be your favorite? Like- well, for the, uh, the, the thing that generated your question, I think... Uh, from a fan point of view, and not just because it's Yoda, I liked Ambush. You know, I think a lot of the older, you know, the older fans, that was so, that was the most Empire Strikes Back-ish of the episodes that Clone Wars has done in terms of Yoda's personality and stuff like that. So for me, just as a fan to, to, to watch it, that, that's my favorite one. And doing it also is kind of nice. So. <laughs> Any other favorites? Uh, Citadel Rescue. <laughs> they gave Tarkin a gun. What can I say? I like Senate Spy a lot because I like the interaction with uh, Padme and Anakin in that one. I love Rookies because D. Bradley Baker is amazing. Yeah. And I also always say Innocence of Ryloth, the character uh, of Numa with Waxer and Boyle, was just really a great story that I really love. Yeah, I, I always say I like the Mortis trilogy. I think the animation in that is stunning. Um, I thought the writing was great. Christian Taylor wrote that uh, three-part story arc, and I thought it was great. And Sam Witwer and Matt Lanter in those episodes, I thought their performances were yeah. fantastic. So I thought that was an overall three episodes. Th- those were my favorite. Yeah, I liked Brain Invaders, but that's I got to play two sort of different characters in that one. Um, well, Barris, who's always good and kind, then gets invaded by these brainworms, and she has to turn evil. So it was a, a nice to play dichotomy yeah. of characters. I like that one. I had nightmares after that. <laughs> that was a scary <laughs> one. <laughs> and my action figure comes with brainworms. Oh. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> um, uh, from a fan uh, standpoint, do you think that in the uh, season premiere of this season, should have Akbar said it's a trap? I can say that during the recording session, he did say it many, many times, and we all we all had a lot of. I think everybody said it. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, but it was it was pretty close. The thing that's kind of funny is, you know, everybody who works on the show, probably for the first time in the Star Wars franchise history, um, was a fan before they worked on the show, and that's part of that's just you know, timing that so many years have gone by that there's a whole generation now of people that are artists and writers and actors that were fans first. I mean, Dave Filoni was one year before he was directing the Clone Wars, he was dressing up as Plo Koon and, and, going, and going to conventions. And building his own helmet. So, um, you know, it's, it is, it's just one of those things where it is a little different, I think. You know, we, we, uh, it's, it's a labor of love for us in, in some ways more than, you know, it might otherwise be, but... Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just had to say it. <laughs> What's interesting is the, the, the actor who plays Akbar, though, um, his name is Art, and I knew him before. He is probably the biggest Star Wars, probably a bigger Star Wars fan than me. 
So when he and that's got hard that, to do, and it is hard to do. When he got that part, and I saw him at the session that first day, he was almost in tears. So it was really cool to see this person who was such a fan and such a fan of such a cool character, you know, such an iconic character that so many people love, to get to bring him to life. He was truly, truly honored, and hopefully. Maybe next year he'll be here and you guys can meet him too because I know yeah, I, he, would be, he would be really excited to be here. I came up to him at the uh, premiere and um, it was just weird because he was acting weird about me because I've, I've done, I'm the older act bar. Um, so, uh, in Star Tours? In Star Tours. Road, the new Star Tours ride? The games and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a trap! <laughs> but it was funny because he was like acting all weird like hoping I would like his act bar and I, I came out of the, the thing going like it dude you nailed it I mean it was flawless so I was I was like you know went from being a little jealous that they didn't use me to going okay his was better so, <laughs> but yeah it's, it was it, it was a thrill you know because like the old fans like me to, to hear anytime there's a tidbit you know something original from the movies it, that they can work in it's always a big a big thrill for everybody to hear and to work on because you know it, it evokes the the original films but the funny part is is i've had a, I've actually had a couple of people say that, that their kids because of just skin timing this is their star wars and that when they've seen the movies they think that some of the stuff in the movies came from clone wars so <laughs> they're like oh i heard you ought to say that in one of the clone wars episodes like well no actually they lifted that from <laughs> I just had a couple of questions. My first question is, um, is George still very much in the uh, process of the whole animation and the whole story? And as far as Asako Tano and Anakin Skywalker are concerned, is their relationship going to continue to develop and even deepen one somewhat? Because it seems like it's getting pretty, pretty deep. As far as the development of the characters are concerned, I was just wondering. No, no, not romance or anything like that. I'm saying as far as uh, Jedi, from uh, Jedi Master to Padawan Learner, you know, is it going to continue to develop or...? The, the relationship between Ahsoka Correct. and Anakin? Um, absolutely. I, I mean, I think we've seen it from the beginning of the series until now uh, how much closer they've become. She's very much like, I would say, Anakin's little sister. I mean, I think we've all seen by now, I, I saw the crazy music videos that were developed in the beginning, <laughs> you know, where people thought the relationship was more than just purely platonic. But um, I think we've all seen now just that the relationship they've developed is really just like brother-sister um, really close and it, it'll it'll be interesting because I say, this is my personal opinion, um, Ahsoka... I think she would be shocked if, if she knew what happened in the future. I, I think she only sees the good in Anakin. I mean, she may question, well, not may question, she does question mm-hmm. <laughs> what, you know, his actions and, and what he does quite often. But um, just the thought of, of him being married to Padme and him turning to the dark side, I don't even think she would believe it. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what, what is coming up in the future, but it'll be interesting to see what she does find out, how she reacts. I don't, I don't know any of that. I'm like you guys. I'm a fan. I'm anxiously waiting for the scripts to see what happens. Um, but I, I like the direction it's progressed. Um, and I think what we've seen with Ahsoka, she's become less of a sidekick and more of just one of the gang. Like, I think she seems like less of a Padawan and more like she belongs to be there. So um, it, I'll be interested to see, you know, what comes next, because I don't know. 
What was the first part of your question? You had something about... Uh, how involved is George Lucas still very much involved in the story? Oh, absolutely. Process? Yeah. I mean, I'm not up there I'm like I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were eating lunch the other day. <laughs> no, I mean, but from what I've been told and... and the development of the story. Yeah, he's in every meeting. He's in the pitch meetings. He's in the story development meetings. He, sit there, he sits there while they're editing. I mean, from what I've been told by Dave and other people that work on it, he's more involved in Clone Wars than much of anything in years. He really, he's, he really likes this project. And a lot of times, for me at least, when we have what's called pickups, which will be you go in and there's an episode that's done, but you have to come in and do something either to fix a technical difficulty or to add a line, a lot of times those notes will be directly from George. Like, um, you know, in this scene, he wanted you to yell more loudly because there's all these spaceships going on. Or, you know, he wanted you to add this into this line because it sounded to this. Or, and so... I definitely would say he's really not just overseeing, but very detailed about the vision that we're putting out, which is exciting. Yeah. Thank you. This is for Ms. Eckstein. For your clothing line, Her Universe, I want to first thank you for creating it. As a, as a fangirl, as a, as a fangirl, it was you know, hard growing up. You, you, know, you saw it all in the boys' section. And so are you planning on releasing that to the stores, or is it just going to be online only? We definitely plan on releasing it to the stores. Um, a fact that many people don't know is the reason we really haven't been in stores yet is because we didn't have the rights to sell in stores. Um, we only had the rights to sell online and at conventions because, honestly, we had to prove to a lot of people that girls would buy merchandise. Oh, and yeah. I know it sounds silly, but um, we were met with a lot of skepticism. Um, it, Lucasfilm was unbelievably supportive. I mean, I can't thank them enough because they gave me an opportunity when nobody else would, frankly. No one else wanted to believe that women would buy sci-fi merchandise, and I kept on laughing at them. I'm like, half of all sci-fi fans are women. Why are you saying we wouldn't buy it? Um, But it was almost like they gave us the opportunity, uh, but we had to prove ourselves. And so that's why, I mean, I just can't thank everyone enough because every single purchase is actually making a statement. It's saying that, okay, women will buy. And, and that's all we're asking for. We're not trying to say that Star Wars is for girls. Um, or we're not trying to say that sci-fi is for women and it's a girl's world. No, it's for everyone. I mean, all we're asking for is just equal opportunity. So when a guy and a girl walk into Hot Topic and the guys have five Star Wars shirts, we'll have an equal amount and made for women. And we don't have to go to the men's section and continue to buy... You know, the same stuff they're buying. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting there. I mean, we've only been out about a year and a half. Um, however, we've received lots of interest from retail, uh, certain retail stores. And I think a big thing, I have to thank everyone here that came to Disney Star Wars Weekends because Disney gave us an opportunity to sell at Star Wars Weekends. And they were so surprised by the amount of women that bought the merchandise that they're going to pick up our merchandise year-round. And that's truly because all of the women out there that supported it. So the more that the women and the men, because I have to thank all the men out there who are buying for their wives and girlfriends and daughters, we're making a statement. And slowly we're getting out there. So it's coming. Just it'll take a little while. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. We really appreciate you all being here with us. Well, thank you for having (laughs) us. Thank you guys. Dave's not here. 
and he can be kind of cagey on his answers, so you don't have to be cagey. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, we do. <laughs> Wait, Dave is watching. He's probably watching now, live right we've now. We've been told what we're not allowed to say. Well, you can say this, I would imagine. No spoilers, nothing ahead of time, but I'm curious what you think your characters know. Uh, Ashley, does Ahsoka know about Padme and Anakin, or what does she think? Uh, Steven, does Masamita know who is behind the Sith? Uh, does Tarkin later know who Vader is? Well, I th- those are all really great questions. I think, you know, that's part of the reason why the characters have been introduced so that we can start exploring the answers to those, you know, in, in more detail. I mean, I would kind of like to think that most of these guys are a little bit more in the know than maybe we think they are at the moment. The whole thing with Tarkin, I mean, this gets brought up a lot because uh, there's a scene in episode four where, you know, Vader comes to uh, Tarkin in the sort of Death Star conference room there, and he's like, you know, my old master is here, I feel it. And he's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, surely he must be dead by now. You know, and it's like, whoa, who just said Obi-Wan's name in that scene? It's like, well, he obviously knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is, whether he knows the full backstory between those characters, I imagine that's part of what you know we're going to find out in Clone Wars. You know, but I think we've got a little bit of a ways to go from Captain Tarkin to Admiral Governor Tarkin of the Death Star. So there's a lot of ground to be explored. And as far as Masa Meda is concerned. He is an interesting character. Like you were saying, you don't like him, or well, Padme doesn't When like we him. are recording, that's yeah. one of those times it really makes a difference, because to me, it's great to be with you when you're playing that character, because I feel the sort of evilness. Because I'm always, I agree, we should do what she says. It's really, she's right. No, you're right, we should do that. Yes. No, I'm on your side. When Dave Filoni has you know, told me one time, he said... Masameda is kind of a survivor, you know. He's like, whoever's on the winning team, he's suddenly, like, closer to them, you know. Then it's like all of a sudden than, than, than the other person. But, yeah, those, I, you know, I imagine, I would love to see, I would love to see, like, an episode that really featured Masameda as, you know, like, really, you know, in, in, integral to the plot, you know, you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. I think it would be a good idea. So. Ashley, what's Ahsoka now? <laughs> See, I, I don't think Ahsoka suspects Anakin and Padme again. I think maybe that's where Ahsoka shows her age a little bit. And this is just my opinion. Dave may disagree with me. <laughs> but um, it, it's funny because Ahsoka's had to mature a lot. And I think we see most times the mature side of Ahsoka. But then there's, there's moments, and you'll see a couple in season four, where she truly acts her age. Um, which she's a teenage girl. And I think one of them is, I don't think she suspects yeah. Anakin and Padme. What do you think? I don't think so. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Like, sometimes I talk about it with James Arnold Taylor and whether or not he feels that, that he knows something. We've kind of come to the conclusion that C-3PO knows. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But, but I think it's interesting as actors because we have to we have to make our own decisions about what we do and don't know. Yeah, we do discuss that because I mean, we've had a scene and where Ahsoka and Padme are talking, and Ahsoka alludes to the fact that her and Anakin are close, but to her, they're just great friends. Yeah. Isn't that nice? And she has. I don't think she realizes it. Is my opinion, but and we'll see. It'll be interesting at what point her eyes are opened. Thank you. And the Empire is, has the don't ask, don't tell thing, so C-3, C-3PO will never say anything. So. Yes? I, I have a question for Catherine Tavor. 
You play a lot of Star Wars characters, including Mission Veil, Knights of the Old Republic, Princess Leia in The Force Unleashed, and Padme in The Clone Wars. But out of all the Star Wars characters you've ever played, which one's your favorite? Um, you should be my publicist, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, you know, I love things about all of them. Mission, because she was my first job. So that was really exciting. And, then, and to already be a Star Wars fan and to get to become a part of the universe, little did I know that the rest of this was coming. Um, so I love Mission. It was fun to play Leia, but Padme is the one that's, that's truest to my heart. I, I, just, I always say that I love that she's a lady and she's elegant and can do girly stuff, but she'll pick up a blaster when she needs to. And that's my favorite kind of female character. And, and why Ahsoka is such a great character, too. It shows girls, you know, that y- you, can, you can be tough and, and get in there and fight when you need to with the boys. And I, I just love that about Star Wars. So Padme is, is my, my ultimate favorite. So I feel really lucky to get to play her. Thank you. <laughs> I know Lucasfilm doesn't tell you much, but have you heard them speculate anything about a future Clone Wars film to end the series, like they had one to begin the series? Well, they talk about everything. Because, well, no, they, I mean, you have to understand this, like I said earlier, the original vision that George had was a, you know, a certain number of episodes, and, you know, but he, even as amazing as George can be, you know, he can't see the future. He didn't know if the show was going to be a big hit or a flop or, you know, who knows. And they're still developing things. I mean, this is, obviously, they're making this all up. They've got a, a universe of characters that some of which are established and some of which are new, but there's no, you know, hard and firm path. So they sit around and say, well, you know, how do we go from here to here to here to here? Obviously, they do have an anchor at one point that all the lines have to converge to in terms of, you know, how to wrap the Clone Wars up in terms of these storylines because we know what happens next. But how that's going to happen, I, I'm telling you truthfully, is not decided. There, it is a subject of great discussion amongst all of them as to where to go, how to do it. So, you know, I mean, there's talk of everything under the sun. They're, they're, you know, they're thinking of showing the final episode on a blimp at the Super Bowl. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I also don't think that the first film was intended to be a film originally. No, I think it wasn't. The, it, uh, the Clone Wars was created to be a series, but it was so good. <laughs> it ended up being so beautifully artistically done, and they, they turned it into a film because it, it was just the quality of it seemed a higher caliber than just for television, so it was released as a film. And if they end up doing that for the finale, who knows? But it wasn't intended to be a film. It just and is that, so yeah, good it should... That was Warner <laughs> Brothers doing. It wasn't even something that came from Lucasfilm or George about let's make a movie and then turn it into a series. It was a series from the beginning, and it was the Warner Brothers executives that said, wow, if we cobble together uh, three episodes, we can make a movie out of it, because they thought it was that good. But again, we don't know. We'll be the... We will know shortly before you do, and by shortly I mean however long it takes someone to Twitter it. <laughs> um, okay, well, first of all, I would like to say that the Universe Statement is about to go on its way to Japan. My best friend lives in Japan, and she really wanted the Daddy's Little Girl shirt, so I just ordered it, and it's going to be going to her from my house. Wow. Um, so, yeah, she was really excited. Wow, thank you. Um, so, yes, her universe is on its way to Japan. Oh, cool. um, We don't ship to Japan, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> and my other question was, how did everybody's auditions come about for the Clone Wars? 
Well, uh, mine came through my through my agents, uh, which is where I you know get all my auditions from. And uh, the first character that I auditioned for was uh, Masameda, which was a season two episode called The Duchess of Bandalore. And uh, Tarkin pretty much, and the other characters that I played uh, pretty much came the same way. They came through uh, auditions through my agent. Of course, they, they, they change these auditions when you get them to, so they don't have like key words and plot points. They're all removed and made into things that don't make any sense. Like, why are we talking about a school bus? Make any, it's like, what kind of a character is this? It sounds like a medieval something or other, but, you know, the security is very high. So, you know, sometimes you get in, you're like, oh, that's what we were talking about. That, that makes sense now, but... Everything I've done so far has, pr- has pretty much come through my agent. Mine was uh, an audition as well, originally, and I, I know I've told the story before, but I was pretty new to voiceover, so the casting director um, didn't have me on her list of people to see, and my agent, my wonderful agent, called and said, no, you, you have to see her, she is Padme. And, um, and so I luckily got in, and then Dave and Henry at the audition said that everybody that was coming in was really good, and they had a lot of great choices. But Dave says that when he heard me say Annie, that they were like, that's our girl. <laughs> so, and uh, when my agent called to tell me that I got the job, I at first didn't believe her, and I was like, you're kidding me. No, seriously. And, uh, and screamed really loud and scared my neighbors. So, <laughs> so it was a really great, fun experience all around. They had the exact opposite reaction with me when they heard me when they heard me read a Padme line. Um, they didn't even let me finish the line. I guess it was that bad. <laughs> they, I, I was halfway through my line, and I knew I wasn't the right fit for Padme. I told my agent, and I'm usually a pretty positive person, but I almost didn't go to the audition because I said this is just pointless. I just don't sound like her. And he was like, "No, just go anyway. Go anyway. You never know." And sure enough, they cut me off halfway through, and I was like, darn it. And luckily, he said, no, you sound way too young to be Padme, but we have this new 14-year-old girl character, and um, that's how it happened for me. Uh, I didn't even know, and they didn't even tell the agents that there was this new character. They just, all the girls that were coming in for Padme, they had them read for Ahsoka as well, so it was I mean, they were very, very secretive about it. I, I know I've talked about this, but I didn't know I was playing Ahsoka until I was already cast. So they, and then they said, oh, by the way, keep it a secret for two years. <laughs> uh, mine was the same. I auditioned through my agent. They asked uh, someone, they wanted to see someone with an English accent. As you can tell, I'm not English. Um, and I've been obsessed with doing accents since I was a little girl. And so I was very excited to do Barris as English, and um, I think also part of the reason why I got it maybe over some other proper English actresses was because when I was a little girl, I did a movie called The Journey of Natty Gan, and it was about a girl and a wolf, and our director, Dave Filoni, is obsessed with wolves. He has, like, a little wolf dog, and he's just obsessed with wolves, so he, I think, was excited to have me just being with him and work with him. Um, and that was really fun. He is. He's he really, is. No, really, he's obsessed with wolves. And... and and then once I did Barris, um, like we said before, if someone's not in the room when we all work together as a cast, um, they'll ask another actor in the room. They'll say, oh, Yoda's not here today, so uh, Meredith, you be Yoda. Or someone will just do it as a joke. And then I always was doing other little accents while we were performing, and so then I was given an Australian girl and then a few other characters just because I was playing around. So the other roles that I got were because I was just being silly in the room. 
Okay, it's not being silly though. It's it's actually quite difficult. It's being talented. Yes. Um, oh. Meredith can do almost any voice in any accent and any sound right on the spot. And a lot of people ask how you get into voiceover. Well, that's you know perfect example is you know Dave would just throw different things at Meredith and she's able to do it on the spot. And um, so it's not silly. It's talented well, <laughs> or silly. <laughs> or being silly. I'm I'm. Uh... I was kind of grandfathered into the whole thing because I've been doing stuff for Lucas for t- almost, well, probably 20 years. Back when I started off doing games, back when they were, you know, on, on floppy disks the size of card tables. <laughs> most, almost, most of the people in the room under the age of, you know, 20 probably have never seen a floppy disk. But, um, you know, you used to have to put in 15 of them to run a game. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I was just doing miscellaneous, you know, TIE fighter pilot number three or imperial officer number two or something like that. And like we all talk about, you know, you read the other lines and you read. And again, it's not trying. You're not you're not really trying to show off. It's just part of the animal we are. You know, it's like a I guess it'd be like a football player, uh, you know, not being able to resist picking up a football that he finds on the ground and throwing it to a friend. I mean, it's just what you do. And uh so we, we are constantly reading other lines and other characters and trying different voices for it. And sometimes the director or the producer will say, hey, yeah, that would actually work for that one. Well, that's kind of the way I was, is I'd been doing Yoda for 15 years for games and toys and stuff, and Frank was done. He'd retired. So they were just like, well, just keep using him. So, uh, and the other thing, the, the opening narrator and the... Uh, and, uh, you, Lauren, was the same thing. You know, I had to audition for it like anybody else. They, you know, they said, read this and read this, and they listened to it and decided who they wanted to use. And sometimes it's not just, you know, as much as I'd love to say on all of our behalves that we're just so scathingly brilliant about something we do, a lot of times it's just, you know, you, especially if you're already a major character, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to denigrate myself, but I, I'm sure that part of what got me the narrator and Yularen is the fact that I was already Yoda and under the rules and regulations of the contract we have for animation they can use you for three voices without having to pay you more so <laughs> from a true. sheer from a sheer business point of view they're not going to bring three people in to do those three characters if Tom can do the other two so you know I'm, 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 I'm honest enough to admit there might have been a much better narrator out there but they're going yeah but Tom does it it's free <laughs> him to do the scrubbing bubbles guy you do have to be careful we went to, I, making errant noises and I did a, a funny sound during one of my sessions like oh who did that and like that was Steven's like oh yeah you're gonna do that now for yeah this character for that thing you do and they're like oh okay all right thank you thank you thank you hello um so with there being so much Star Wars out there between games comics whatever else, uh, how does that kind of work with the story? I mean, it seems kind of like a minefield to kind of trudge through, so you don't mess up someone's history. And then also, if there was any characters from those things, either either movies, whatever else that you guys want to play, itching to play. Um, Well, I I can tell you one character that would be interesting to play, but I don't know if he really has any dialogue, and that's Lobot. <laughs> I just think that guy is so cool, and uh, you know, he's just he's he's uh, he's just a really interesting character. As far as the the story goes, I mean, we get a lot of they, Dave gives us a big prep and pep talk before each. I remember the very first episode that I was in. It was in the, 
I think that was the Duchess of Mandalore, which was part of a multi-story arc mm-hmm. in season two. I didn't know what was going on at all. I mean, the episodes that they had worked on prior to me showing up there hadn't been aired because it was, you know, the, it was a, the set next season. So I'm sitting there trying to wrap my head around this thing. It's like, thank goodness, you know, Dave Filoni came out and said, all right, here's the way this whole thing works. You're doing this, you're doing that, this guy's doing this, he hates her because of this, that, and the other. Like, That's kind of a okay, good Dave. But it was like, it was very, it was difficult to keep up, but I mean, they do take a lot of care about making yeah. sure that storylines aren't crossed and things like that. And that does not fall, the responsibility does not fall to us, thankfully. Yeah. So, um, we just come in and, like, like he said, Dave gives us a big rundown about what's happening and why. And, and not just logistically, but, you know, sometimes he'll pull me aside, and I know he's done this with Ashley, to talk about the emotional reasons that your character is doing something and, you know, and really get in deeper to it. But we don't have any of that real responsibility. They, they oversee us. And I want to play Jaina Solo. So. <laughs> I've done Leia and Padme, so I want to do Jaina someday. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, my, my two cents is that, like I said earlier, this is the first project probably of its, certainly of its size, that's staffed from top to bottom by fans. Um, so there is, you wouldn't believe the level of knowledge that someone like Dave Filoni has about Star Wars. I mean, I, I've never encountered anything ever that he doesn't know. And... And the other people involved are the same way. So if, if anybody proposes something at a writer's meeting or a plot meeting or whatever that's going to cause problems with the expanded universe or whatever, then someone's going to immediately go, ah! So I'm sure that that occurs a lot, but not, not, not for us. That's already settled long before we get involved. I would like uh, you guys to do your voices from the Clone Wars show. <laughs> well, um, I'm Captain Wilhuff Tarkin, future commander of the Death Star, and I'm also Masameda, the Chancellor's right-hand man, and sort of a, I still call myself a semi-evildoer. <laughs> and I will say, Anakin, ever since I've met you, you've been playing with droids. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Wookiee. <laughs> Loyal Padawan Beres Offi at your service. Thank you. Thank you. Um, me by my size, do you? <laughs> well, you should not. Um, uh, General Kenobi, you must control your Padawan. She's a royal pain in the... Anyway. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, Empire at War, as the scrubbing bubbles clean up the Death Star's toilets. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe we can hear you. Go ahead, we can hear you. Thank you. Um... Thank you. Um, Of all the characters on the show, which is your favorite? My favorite is Cad Bane. He's bad. Uh, I love his his outfit. I love the way he's drawn. I love his face and blue and his hat and his. He's like an Indiana Jones, and he's super cool. Bad, but 
Cool. <laughs> I, I'm with her. In terms of the bad guys, Cad Bane wins in, in my book. But, uh, uh, I mean, I like Yoda, obviously, just because my involvement, I mean, you know, he's the cool character. But, every, you know, it's not, he's not in the show, but, you know, I, I want to be Darth Vader, too. <laughs> Good guys are fun, but the bad guys sometimes get the best lines. So, yeah. You know, no, Luke, I am your father. Fo- Wait, is that a spoiler? I oh, no. I like R2-D2. He's always been my favorite. Cause, yeah. he, he's usually the one I feel like that saves the day. Yes. He my favorite is Yoda. Oh. What can I say? Always has been. And, and then meeting Tom, who's such a great guy, too, it just makes it even better. So definitely oh. Yoda. Oh, Loves you, she does. I'm turning green. <laughs> well, I don't like to sound self-absorbed, but I do have a fancy for Captain Tarkin, primarily because I was a big fan of Peter Cushing and his work, you know, in addition to what he did for Star Wars. I was just, you know, all the Hammer films and everything he did. He was, he was an incredible gentleman, uh, you know, an incredible actor, and, you know, just to be able to play this role, I get excited every time, you know, you know, uh, you know I hear, okay, you know, there's... You know, when we were doing the uh, the, uh, the original Citadel trilogy, I didn't get all like the three skip scripts in advance, so I was kind of like kept in the dark. So it was very exciting to see, you know, what happened from episode to episode. You know, so I, he he truly is my favorite. Yeah. I had a question for Catherine Tabor and Tom Kane. Y'all were both in Star Wars The Nice Star Republic, and I hear y'all are going to be in the new video game Star Wars The Old Republic, and how does it feel to come back to that? It's pretty cool and exciting for me. Like, every time I get to, to take on another Star Wars project, I'm just like, yay, thank you. And with Mission being my first job, it meant a lot. But this new character, Vet, although she is also a Twi'lek, is very different uh, than Mission. And I'm just excited as someone who loves games but I think this game is going to be really amazing, so I'm kind of excited to play it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I've got two characters, one of which is returning from the original. Um, and it was funny because we did it so long ago, nobody could remember what he sounded like. <laughs> so we actually had to summon it up at, uh, up at LucasArts, had to go run and find a game and plug it in until they found my character. So we go, oh, that's what he sounded like. But... Um, but yeah, it is amazing. They told me that, um, um, partly because it's an MMOR, obviously, but they said there's more dialogue in this game than all the other Star Wars games put together. All of them. Forever. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking a script that's about this thick at this point. I mean, I've got a, I've got a moderately, just a mid-level character in, in this thing that is... Uh, I can't talk too much about it because it's a new entirely new thing that has not really been existing before in the Star Wars universe, but um, it's a mid-sized character, and I've probably already been recording 18 hours of this. I mean, it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines for a character that's this big. I can't even imagine what the main character scripts are like. They're probably tall as I am. So this is going to be a game that... that, um, from what and again, you can hear it when the the people that are working on it because they're gamers too. Yeah, they're they're so excited about this thing up there. So I, I think you guys are going to be happy. So I have a question for Catherine Tabor. Could you tell us a little bit about your games for soldiers? 
Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, it's really just a little tiny thing that uh, I just kind of wanted to say thank you to our soldiers who are deployed, because um, I have this really amazing life as a silly little actress here in this great country, and uh, I wanted to be able to do something, and I thought, well, a lot of the soldiers really like games, so I just started Games for Soldiers, um, which I get donations from friends who are gamers, so it could be a game or two, and sometimes from companies, they send me boxes, and I just ship them over to uh, soldiers deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then sometimes actors will give me, you know, headshots and notes and stuff to put in the boxes, too, and it's just a little something to say, we're thinking about you guys, and here's some fun entertainment. <laughs> Thank you for asking. The reason I was asking is because recently this summer, um, I had a, my garrison and I um, did a fundraiser, and we sent you a bunch of You're comic from Louisiana? books. Yes, I'm Karen. Hi, Karen. And I so sent, nice we to sent meet you. you a bunch of comic books and a few video games and some DVDs. And as I was working through through your publicist and you, um, we had such a good time doing this fundraiser for you, I discovered that you were not an honorary member of the 501st. No. And so today, we're going pre- to uh, fix that. So today, I have some things for you, if we can come uh, and bring them to you. you. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of the 501st and the Bast Alpha Garrison... Yeah, come down here. We have, it's an honor to present this to you for the wonderful work you do in our fandom, and especially for bringing strong female characters, which is my heart, and bringing strong female characters and role models for the um, new generation. We also have your very own name tag, and we made this special badge for you with you on the back. And we have just a couple of other things for you. These are the patches from our garrison. Being Louisiana, we have Mardi Gras, which is unique to anybody else. It's also coins, and it says, Presented to Catherine Tabor by Bowstaffel Garrison. We have this made specially for you. And I have more. This is my favorite part. We worked very hard to present this to you. This is your very own custom-carded action figure. Wow. With you on the back. Wow! <laughs> this says presented to Catherine Tabor by the Bast Alpha Garrison at Star Wars Fan Days in Irving, Texas, October 8, 2011, to commemorate her, honor- her induction as an honorary member of the 501st. <laughs> With your beautiful picture on the back. I really want to thank you guys and what you did for donating to us. It meant so much to me, and it's allowed me to fill a bunch of boxes. It's going to make a lot of soldiers happy. So I, just... I want to encourage other garrisons to get behind her games for soldiers and do what you can to raise, bring games. And we just sent DVDs and comic books and things for the soldiers through her through her organization. Let's give one more round of applause to Tom Kane, Catherine Tabor, Ashley Eckstein, Meredith Salinger. And Steven Stanton. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. Thank you. Boy, what an enjoyable Q&A that was. What a great panel. And as you said, Jason, when you were setting up this recording, uh, it, it, 
what a great group of people that Lucasfilm gathered together to make up the cast of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Not only do you get the feeling they really enjoyed working on Star Wars, but they really enjoyed being in each other's presence because they had such fabulous chemistry. And that's what I think really amped up the series on a whole to a whole nother level. It's that chemistry. It's that indefinable quality. You know, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. Mm. And that's something that really sometimes doesn't get played up enough. When you talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars, it's the fabulous chemistry the cast all had together. And I think you heard examples of that happening as we listened to Meredith, Ashley, Tom, and Steven on stage in Dallas back in 2011. And we're really happy to be able to bring that Q&A to you here on Rebel Force Radio. As Jason said before, it was never been broadcasted before. So unless you were in the room that day, you didn't hear it until today. And uh, we're proud to bring it to you. Well, over the years, following the Clone Wars has given us lots of surprises, but perhaps no bigger surprise than at Star Wars Celebration 6 when we were there in the uh, watching the digital stage during Dave Filoni's panel when George Lucas, the notorious GL, the maker himself, made a surprise appearance and uh, even took Dave's hat at one point. So this is uh, rarely heard. In case you uh, weren't there, you may have never heard this. This is the first time we've ever played it here on Rebel Force Radio. Here is uh, George Lucas invading Dave Filoni's Clone Wars panel back at Celebration 6. GL in the house! For years I've tried to explain, you know, we have many fans, and, and every now and then we have a fan that, that just goes beyond... The normal scope. Uh, So I would like to introduce to you guys our biggest fan of all uh, and our biggest supporter. So come on out, please. of you at all. It's because I'm not wearing a hat. (laughs) Okay. All right. See? Okay. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. Very good. Thank you. George Lucas is here. Very good. Yeah, I see him every week. Believe me. It gets old. It gets old. He gives you notes. He tells you how to do things. Believe me. Okay. Okay. So, we'll treat the first thing I have to ask. I have to ask, do you have any notes on what you saw? Was that all good? Is it approved? All good. Isn't the lighting great? Okay, thank there you. we go. Thank you. I gotta thank the team, though. The team, the, the team we work with is just it, it amazing. It covers up Thanks. everybody else's mistakes. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got <laughs> a bad feeling about this. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, I mean, you know, George is with us every step of the way. I think one of the first things, you know, people always wonder, they ask me, well, why animation? You know, how did I, what got you interested in doing an animated Star Wars? Uh, well, I've always been interested in animation. I've been, that's where I started out in film school. I started out mm-hmm. in the animation department. And uh, I've done a few things ever since. And uh, I really felt that there was a story of the Clone Wars that really can't be told in live action because it's, far too complicated, far too expensive, mm-hmm. where we could actually do that story mm-hmm. in animation. Um, even though we were kind of taking a chance, uh, and we continue to take a chance, yeah. <laughs> of doing a dramatic animated series, which is, um, you know, falls in this never-never land that uh, the real world doesn't recognize. So we continue on our merry way, yeah. and we are making it more and more adult, and uh, we... Um, run into more and more problems. But yeah. <laughs> at the same time, uh, we're trying to do things that other people aren't doing. Yeah. Uh, we are going to try to do a, a, a younger skewing show, and, and uh, we're working on that. At the same mm-hmm. time, we're doing detours, which is so far out of the box, we don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> But to be fair, I mean, you've been talking about that. I got hired seven years ago, and you've been talking about doing a comedy series even way back then. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, if I've learned one thing, it's when you say something's going to happen eventually, mm-hmm. it definitely happens. That's true on our show. I yeah, mean, I think, totally. yeah, and I, I love that. You know, George always comes through for you guys. Um, I think the style of our shows improved greatly, and I tried to express to them that you know that's something that really gets supported at Lucasfilm Animation because you know the film that started versus what we're doing today, it's hard to compare. I mean, you you yeah. notice the lighting, but the animation as well um, has just really improved throughout the years. So. Well, it's it's that's always the challenge. You have yeah. limited resources. You can do things in animation that it's very hard to do in live action. Yeah. Um, but you can get reasonably close in terms of telling the story. There yeah. was. Uh, you know, one of the first scenes uh, that attack on um, on uh, the palace up the cliff on the side. palace yeah. on the jungle and the yeah, yeah. whole thing with the you know that's obviously a little bit of an homage to uh, Jim Cameron, but uh, <laughs> let Jim do that for one thousandth of the cost. Yeah, yeah. that cost. Yeah. that little sequence probably cost one thousand yeah, percent less true. than Avatar. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and it's every bit as good. And we only have 22 minutes. <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, all right. Yeah. I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> so I have to ask another thing. Did, did you see the Rancor downstairs? I love that Rancor. How about that, huh? Yeah. Awesome. You we, want that for your office, don't you? I, well, we should it move it to fit. Big Rock. It won't fit. It's too big. My office isn't that big. Put out by the Yoda Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> In my office, no, it no. won't fit. Believe me, get a bigger office. Yeah. No, I don't no. think so. <laughs> you guys are killing me. Don't don't set them up like that. What's wrong with you guys? Help me out here, huh? I, I've been to every one of these, huh? The premiere went great last night. Everybody really enjoyed it. Um, I do get asked one thing, though. I get asked one thing about the, about the main villain in that, which is, you know, wh- why Darth Maul coming back? And I have always told them it's just because you wanted it. So any, any thoughts on Darth Maul at all? Well, the one thing about animation and one thing about doing uh, as many shows as we're able to do over a lot of times, hey, on, a, on the features, you're very constricted by a story. 
and you have a story arc and everything. So you don't get to sort of veer very far from the main story. Uh, where in animation, we sit there during story conference, well, why don't we go over here? Like, yeah. you know, we did, you know, four episodes on just the droids, which you saw a little bit of, and there's nothing but droids. The only two, two people speak English. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, for a long, you know, for basically 80 minutes, that's a lot of... Uh, Pantomime. Yeah, and it, it works. It's great. And we do the same thing. You know, I said, well, it would be fun to see what happens if we bring Darth Maul back. He's my, one of my favorite characters. He got killed right away. And, uh, it's, you know, we had a long discussion about whether you could cut him in half and he could still be alive. Uh, <laughs> but He's we decided that, yeah. you know, depending on exactly where the blade yeah. went, <laughs> uh, we could probably justify that one. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun to have him and, and also be able to create his brother. And, uh, you know, the witches of... Uh, Dathomir. Dathomir. Yeah. And, and, you know, take it to a whole different area that we had never really explored before. George Lucas, everyone. Thank you for coming out here. Hey, this is Dave Filoni of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and you are listening to Rebel Force Radio with Jason and Jimmy. Hi, this is Daniel from Orlando calling to give a big thank you to Disney and Lucasfilm for giving us fans something very special in the last Lost Mission Season 6 of The Clone Wars, something we asked for and Disney have has delivered. Thank you so much to Disney and Lucasfilm. Thank you, Kathleen Kennedy. Thank you, everyone involved. Uh, trust that Disney has Lucasfilm um, moving in the right direction. I think this is a great, great sign that Disney is going to take Star Wars as a franchise, as, an, as a property in special care, and deliver great, great new material to us fans. Looking forward to the future of Star Wars. It has never been brighter. Jason and Jimmy, you guys are the best. Thank you, Disney. Thank you, Rebel Force Radio. And thank you, Lucasfilm. May the Force be with you all. Hi, this is James in Louisville, Kentucky, just calling to thank Disney and Lucasfilm for giving us the last season of The Clone Wars. Amazing that a 40-year-old man is counting down the hours for a cartoon series to come out, that I am literally counting hours until Friday when I can actually see the next episode and to be released on Netflix on such a wide format is just a great idea for it. So big thanks to the Lucasfilm for making you have and actually giving us you know, the end of the series that we were supposed to get. So thanks to Disney, Lucasfilm, everyone, Jason and Jimmy, Mac, definitely thanks to you guys for spearheading this campaign and, and, you know, Part of your effort, too, went into giving us this chance to see Season 6 of The Clone Wars. I'm very excited. Thanks again. Hey, now. This is Scott Mobley from Sanger, Texas. And I just wanted to call and tell Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni, everybody, Disney, that made it possible. Uh, we thank you so much for giving us the episodes of The Clone Wars that we are getting we're all looking forward to watching them on Netflix and being able to binge watch them and be able to watch any and all the episodes, even director's cuts in the future. And once again, thank you for listening to the fans. It is appreciated. Now, 
Another sponsor we want to thank before we get too far uh, into the show is Dorkside Toys. We've been talking about them for a long time. I'll tell you what, if you are a collector of Star Wars or uh, any other kind of genre toys, they are your place to go. DC, G.I. Joe, Marvel, doesn't matter. They've got it all, especially the Star Wars stuff. Action figures starting at just $3.99. There haven't been $3.99 action figures since, like, the power of the Force came back in 1995, for God's sakes. $3.99, you can check them out. More amazing deals on selected Star Wars figures. Plus, they got vehicles, too. The Black Series, the 3 and 3 quarter inch, the 6-inch action figures, those big jumbo retro vintage looking figures from Gentle Giant. They're there. The Mission Series figures, which I like because they harken back to the old days when they were into quality sculpts over over articulation. Uh, so those are available. Uh, also, don't forget about that uh, Black Series 6-inch Wave 3. Those are coming soon. And if you pre-ordered good news, they're going to be fulfilling those orders very soon, so they should be showing up. And um, here's a great deal. Spend $99 in the store. Shipping is free. And there's a same-day shipping available if you order before 1 p.m. Central. And there's also a super-saving flat-rate shipping for, from just $5.99. Uh, everything they can fill in that box for $5.99. And I will tell you one thing. From experience, I can say that they take great, great care in packaging the merchandise. I've never received anything that was not packed with the utmost TLC. So here's what we want you to do if you want to shop for some toys. We'd love to have you shop at Dorkside. We'd like you to check out shotglassdigital.com. You'll find a Dorkside Toys banner right there on the website. Click through that banner. You'll end up at Dorkside Toys. They'll know you came from Rebel Force Radio and uh, we appreciate the support from Dorkside Toys and you supporting our good friends at Dorkside. This is Matt Lancer, voice of Anakin Skywalker on Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to Rebel Force Radio. And, um, this is a specific shout out to all my Star Wars Clone Wars fans um, because these people are awesome and um, it's it's one of the things that that makes working on the Clone Wars so much fun and I know I speak from for the rest of the cast as well working on Star Wars um, is so amazing because of the Star Wars fans and um, it's just what makes it fun they're so passionate they're so hardcore and like in the best way, you know, they're, they're so invested um, into the Star Wars saga. And, um, you know, that makes us voice actors and everyone who works on the show uh, as invested. And we all want to make amazing Star Wars. So anyway, it's kind of like a bittersweet, you know, kind of sweet sorrow thing because um, it's coming out now and on Netflix uh, for the, you know, the final lost episodes. But that also means that is the very last Clone Wars you know, we'll probably be seeing, I think, you never know, stranger things have happened, but, um, anyway, so it was just, I, you know, I did seven years working on the show, and it was an amazing experience working with awesome people, and, um, just wanted to say thank you, uh, to the fans of the series for sticking with us, and for those that, that found the series, uh, you know, after we began, and it's no secret, the episodes get better and better as the seasons go on, um, and it's just cool storytelling, and it's cool, so, anyway, so uh, it's been an amazing seven years for me uh, bringing Anakin to life uh, in an anima- animated way. And um, that's just years that I cherish. And I uh, want to thank all you Star Wars fans who have given your support. So anyway, thanks again. And um, yeah, click like on my Facebook page, by the way. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Matt Lanter. So subscribe to me there or follow me there. I can't keep up with all this stuff. 
follow, subscribe, like, whatever. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. (laughs) Well, I don't know about you, but I was checking out my daily edition of The Hollywood Reporter today. And what did I see? (laughs) But the brand-new cast of the 2014 season of Dancing with the Stars has been revealed, and lo and behold, it took 14 seasons, or 18 seasons, I should say, <laughs> yeah. but finally they got him. Billy D. Williams! Oh my god, Jason, he this is... On Dancing with the Stars. See, I've never watched the show. Yeah. Now, now I will. I'll be hooked. Now, now you have to watch it. I gotta watch it. As the press release reads, season 18 to shake up the competition with a dramatic new twist. And dramatic new coolness. That's right. Billy D will be joining the likes of Drew Carey, Dana McKellar, who is uh, Winnie from the Wonder Years. Winnie Cooper. Yes. And bubblegum pop star Cody Simpson. You got Billy D. Williams joining the cast of Dancing with the Stars, which is shocking to me. Absolutely shocking to me. Um, Listen, I know Billy D will be the coolest man on the dance floor. There's no question about it. Always has been. But I've seen Billy D in uh, recent appearances over the last few years. And, uh, you know, like a lot of us, as we uh, grow a little bit older, our knees start to give out on us a little bit. And I've spotted Billy D with a cane. I've seen him have uh, a little bit of difficulty making it up the steps. So uh, I, I, I'm very curious to see how this is all going to shake out with uh, the, the Baron Administrator of Cloud City on the dance floor. <laughs> Hey, listen, I don't put it past him for oh, a second. Here's my here, This is my problem. I feel like that Billy D has a disadvantage here because no matter who they pair him up with, the, the girl is going to be so shaken by the pure sexiness of Billy D. Right. How is she going to be able to concentrate on the dance moves, teaching Billy D how to move, the steps to take? I just feel like, you know, Drew Carey's not going to have that problem. No. Woman can't wait to get rid of him, but Billy D. Wow, that's that's really a, a, a great thing to bring up. Now he's going to be paired up with Emma Slater. Emma Slater is a professional dancer. She's uh, one of their ringers, you know. Right, and right. Uh, she has been uh, with Dancing with the Stars since uh, early 2012. So she's been there for a couple years. Uh, she definitely. Uh, has her chops together as uh, both a dancer and choreographer professionally. And, uh, and I, I think she's up to the challenge. I think yep. that uh, she can handle the coolness. She's mm-hmm. a very good-looking woman. And, and the sexiness. Oh, yeah. Billy D might be asking her, how sexy <laughs> is your sexiness? You know, it's funny because I'm looking at this, uh, this, this bio that was posted of Billy D at ABC.com, which, yep. by the way... Um, Really, the only bio that Billy D needs is Billy D. Williams. Period. Period. That's his bio. Yeah. But it's funny because they say that he was he was often touted as the black Clark Gable, which That's is right. interesting because I always heard that Clark Gable was the white Billy D. Williams. Yeah, it's the other so, way right. Uh, right. <laughs> I like how they put black Clark Gable in quotes. 
Right, like, right. Like, who can you attribute that quote to, you know? <laughs> Jason Swank says. So Clark Gable, I think, said it. And I'm very happy to see in the bio that's on uh, the official ABC.com website um, that when they give Billy Dee's credits, of course, they mention all the big ones. You know, Lady Sings the Blues, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, uh, Batman, Ladies Man. But they also include Fanboys. Fanboys is included that's, that's, as one of Billy Dee's top roles of all time. Which, which, which means that that oh, – here's, here's what that means. That means that his publicist, who keeps his bio fresh and minty, has got fanboys right there at the top of the list. Yeah. Which, I think is, which is phenomenal, which yeah. is great. And it, as well as should be. It's a great cameo role. And it celebrates uh, not just Billy Dee but the whole Star Wars uh, legacy. Uh, I was kind of hoping that um, there'd be like a little hint in here about uh, look for Billy D. Williams in 2015 Star Wars Episode Seven, but uh, no such luck, dude. There's a lot of fan speculation going on online that I'm kind of uh, I'm down with this speculation that Billy D. is appearing in Dancing with the Stars to get himself in this shape to play Lando in the Star Wars sequel. Well, get care. You know what? They should do the whole season. With the cast of Star Wars, so <laughs> with make all it the original cast. with the Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes, That's what they do because uh, Auntie Carrie could use a little yeah, bit of yeah. that action. And, Mark uh, Hamill and Mark, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, the Oscars of uh, this past weekend, uh, Harrison Ford um, really into Ellen's pizza. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, <laughs> I did. Ellen I did. ordered the pizza. Yes. Harrison was all over it, and there was one great moment where it's just such a I'm Harrison Ford and I don't give a you know what moment. Yeah. Uh, so she's passing out the pizza, and then she turns to the camera and she starts to do her business, her hosting business. There's Harrison tugging on her sleeve, looking for a napkin. Yeah, he wants it. I thought he was going for an additional slice for Callista, because Lord knows that girl needs to put on some poundage. She should eat a whole pizza. But he was just like, no, 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 to keep it in all for myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but you know what? He looked. Great. He looked fantastic. Looked really good. He looked fabulous. I'm glad he got rid of the that that buzz cut that he had going on for a while. With the, the spiky hair, he's back to hair. more of a traditional Han Solo kind of look too, which is a sure, good sign. That does good yeah, sign. Good sign. Wonder what that is. But as long as we're talking about Star Wars Episode Seven and the Star Wars sequels, a lot of fans online have also been wondering. What does this mean? Billy D. Williams is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Does this now eliminate him from being in Star Wars Episode Seven? Well, my answer to that is no. Friends, do not worry. Um, Dancing with the Stars will run until May. Typically, that's when the uh, after the sweep season ends. That's usually when the the shows uh, wrap up their season for the year. So at some time in May, they'll be done with the show. And Billy D will be still on the show should he make it that far in the competition if he doesn't get eliminated. Yes, Star Wars Episode 7 is scheduled to begin shooting in May. But keep in mind, we're talking about a three to four month shooting schedule. And I'm quite certain they'll be able to accommodate Billy D's schedule and bring him in if he gets delayed by his massive success on ABC's Dancing with the Stars. They'll wait for him. And I'm oh, sure yeah. they have that all figured out. And, you know, I mean, here's a, here's a good example. You know, uh, Kyle was shooting um, Barely Lethal. And that, that shoot went on for, I think, you know, six weeks, maybe two months at the most. And Samuel L. Jackson was in it. 
But he was there shooting for about two weeks. So it's not like they have to be there on day one and be committed for the entire four-month schedule of shooting. That's not how Hollywood works. They bring in the actors when needed. And there's a lot of scheduling snafus that have to be worked through because these are working actors, and they just don't sit around waiting for jobs to pop up. I mean, some of them do, but, but for the most part... Actors want to work, and so they bounce from one gig to the next. So they can wrap up shooting a television show like Dancing with the Stars, and then the next day or two, hop on a plane, fly out to England, and the, all of a sudden, you know, they're putting a cape on you, and you're at Cloud City. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry at all about this interfering with Billy D potentially being in Episode 7. No, no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I think they know that... Uh, Billy D is uh, an indelible part of the Star Wars ensemble, and I would and 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 too. I mean, he's probably one of the most charismatic. He still has so much of that charisma and that coolness and that swagger left. Uh, they would be absolutely nuts not to uh, pull Billy D back as uh, Lando Carry. I think you can take that to the bank that yeah. he's going to be reprising his role. Uh, but speaking of Billy D, since this is the Billy D quote of the week, you know, last week on Rebel Force Radio, we were fortunate to be joined by Topher Grace. Uh, you remember him as uh, Eric Foreman from uh, that 70s show. By the way, I, I, I meant to mention this when uh, Topher was on, but uh, I am a, such a huge fan of, um, well, all of his work. But uh, one movie in particular that I love is called In Good Company with Dennis Quaid and Scarlett Johansson. If, if you're a fan of Topher's and you haven't seen this film, you've got to check it out. Fabulous movie. I believe it was written by the same guy who wrote About a Boy, another of my favorite movies. And uh, so check that out. That's a great, great uh, flick. And you know what? You guys out there that, you know, if your girls are always complaining because you never like to watch, you know, romantic comedies or anything like, uh, you know, with a little emotion to it, you'll dig this movie. Uh, there's lots of sports references and whatnot. You'll love it. And uh, your your girl like it too, so check that out. But anyway, so we had Topher on, and he actually met Billy D. Billy D had a cameo on that '70s show, and uh, he told us uh, a great story about how that uh, how that all went down. He was doing a show on Broadway. He's a you know great stage actor. So then we thought, how do we? Such a funny idea. It was basically the person who's giving me marriage counseling with my wife turns out to be a bigger Star Wars fan than me. We thought if it was someone in the movie, it would just be, you know, from the movies, it'd be amazing. Yeah. So Billy D came on and like, by the way, the, the relationship that I had to Billy D in Star Wars and that uh, Laura Prepon, who played my wife to be on the show, uh, was the same as our characters, which is she could have cared less. <laughs> but I think Laura's like seen the movies, maybe <laughs> like I'm sitting there like just all I'm asking him questions. He does. You know, he was so kind to sit there and take a bunch of star Wars questions for me. So, uh, so for rubbing elbows with, uh, with Billy D and, you know, how do you not be in awe of the man? Uh, but, uh, and I, I, I remember that episode. And if you haven't seen that episode, uh, we've got uh, some clips here, Jim. So you went back in the Billy D archives. I sure did, Jason. I, I thought we should revisit this fabulous cameo Billy D Williams made on that 70s show. He played pastor Dan, in the 2004 episode, Baby, Don't You Do It. And uh, as uh, you heard Topher just explain to us, he was offering marriage advice to 
uh, Eric and Donna. Thank you, thank you. I was going to say Topher and Laura. <laughs> like, like I'm just best pals with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, to Eric and Donna, and um, the conversation obviously shifted to the wars. We have some little issues. For example, Eric sometimes likes to talk too much about Star Wars. I understand. You do? See, this is great. Yes, Star Wars is the greatest movie of all time. It's hard not to talk about Star Wars. Oh, this, this is great. Oh, oh no. I can't believe you've seen Star Wars. Well, I like to stay current with pop culture so that I can connect with the youth I counsel. Sometimes I feel like we're racing toward this wedding and we're not even enjoying it as much as we could be. Mm, I see. Like in Star Wars. (laughs) When Luke, much like the two of you, wasn't the pilot of his own future, but he was a great pilot. Used to bullseye want rats in his T-16 back home. <laughs> I should be marrying you. <laughs> that was a great call. <clears throat> that is great. I mean, there's some great chemistry there between Billy D and Topher as well. Yes, Star Wars, the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> it's hard not to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's show. As we said, drop everything. Stop listening. And go watch Star Wars The Clone Wars on Netflix. Once you get through the new episodes, be a good time to go back and watch them in not their production order, not their air date order, but the chronological order. You can find those details on the Star Wars blog there's previous posts where, was it Leland Jimmy Mac that uh, did that series of blog posts? Yeah, I don't know if that was ever actually completed. I don't think there has been the definitive timeline release. I thought yet. that uh, Leland did, uh, did did all of them. Did he not finish it? Well, I was trying to look it up this week, and I, I have yet to find oh, it. Okay, all right. Well, someone it's out there a, somewhere. Someone has a link to something like that, or if Leland yourself, if you're listening, send me a link. Because, uh, yeah, that would be great to be able to do that now that they're all on Netflix. So, anyway, uh, a good weekend to be a Star Wars fan. We'd love to thank our sponsors for this week's show, uh, Dorkside Toys. Check them out on the Internet. You can go to rebelforceradio.com and click through the Dorkside banner and uh, shop to your little heart's content. Also, Little Debbie Snack Cakes. Great to have them back, and uh, it tastes good, too. So uh, don't forget to join Jimmy Mack Memorial Day weekend. He's going to be at Disney's Star Wars weekends in Orlando. Now, if you're planning to travel there by air, you want to make sure you contact Kristen Go at MagicalJourneysTravel.com slash Rebel Force. That's MagicalJourneysTravel.com slash Rebel Force. 
And if you'd like to uh, chat with us in between shows, you can do so. Show at rebelforceradio.com or leave us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR, where you can find us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rebelforceradio, iTunes, if you're looking for a place to subscribe and review all the great shows coming from Rebel Force Radio and the Shot Glass Digital Network, you can do that at iTunes. We just have one rule on those reviews. Make them good. And the official website for all things and everything. Rebel Force Radio, rebelforceradio.com. And we are a proud, 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 proud member of the Shot Glass Digital family of content. And you can uh, support Shot Glass Digital by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash shotglassdigital. Speaking of the goes... Kristen's husband, Al John, has got a fantastic web radio network called SR Sounds, Sorcerer's Radio. You can find him at srsounds.com. And you can actually listen to Rebel Force Radio just about each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And speaking of the website, make sure that you're getting your Rebel Force Radio t-shirts ordered. Summer's coming up. You're going to want those t-shirts, especially if you're going to Star Wars Weekends in Orlando with Jimmy Mack. You can find those t-shirts for sale on the website at shotglassdigital.com. We will see you guys next time here on Rebel Force Radio. Love you all so much. For all of us here at Shot Glass Digital and Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm going to go watch The Clone Wars on Netflix. <laughs> Remember, the Force will be with you always. Star Wars, the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) It's hard not to talk about Star Wars. I love that quote. It's great.